If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Hey, welcome to another episode of This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. What was that? I'm ready. You're no, ready? I'm ready. I'm oh, you're ready for people to I'm call? I'm just getting in a groove. I'm Let me ready. remind people, yeah, just some business to get out of the way. Uh, please go to either thislifepodcast.com or drdrew.com to click through on the Amazon banner to support this project. And uh, it doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a little bit of whatever you do there. And also, um, you can see the back pod to the previous podcast there as well. So, And you can find us oh. at... This Life Podcast on Twitter. Ooh, we have a Twitter handle too I have a now. Twitter handle. We're growing. We're growing. And by the way, just uh, this, these things only survive by word of mouth. So if you like what we're doing, and by the way, if you don't like emails, let us know what we can do to do better. But if you do like it, uh, share, tell a friend. It does help out. It's it how really this happens. Does. Well, it's it how, does. That's how stuff happens. We're supposed days. to be a community of human beings on planet Earth. I don't know what happened. We're all Twittering and podcasting and this thing and that thing. Well, uh, yeah. We need to just talk. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a bigger topic if you want to get into that. But I, I think social media has been, it, it has some benefits, but it's a net negative. Here's an interesting thing. Whenever I see you, we talk, 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 talk for whatever 30 minutes or an hour that yep. we're together and it's still unfinished and there's yep. a million things more to talk about. Yep. Other friends of mine, I haven't seen them in six months. So you get there and they're like, hey, what's up? Like, Dude, what have you been doing? I've been doing all this and they're like, oh, yeah. Because uh, well, uh, <laughs> people have lost the ability or the art of conversation. Well, they, they, yeah, we don't know how to connect anymore. It's weird. Yeah. And I, I suppose males are worse than anybody because we are sort of naturally not inclined to talk. Yeah. Women, I, the, you know, there's all this data that women's reward systems go off when they talk. No, because they, I'm a natural talker and I have to cue them. Like, dude, I saw on Facebook, the blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, yeah, I played in Japan. <laughs> I played in Japan. Well, tell I, people about I your got tour. shot. I got, oh, you Jesus. know what I mean? All these things that happen, you see them on Facebook and then you see the person like, what's been happening? Nothing. You know what I mean? But I've been on tour and I've been talking to a lot of people. You're, you're, and, so what's the name of your record? It's called Survival Songs. Nice. On Six Degrees Records. Get it's a that. real record and vinyl. We probably have that at Amazon. Click through the Amazon. I diner. have some for you, too, oh, nice. you guys. Okay, so, um, but I've been meeting a lot of people, interesting things going on. Mm. You know, Minneapolis at a commie bookstore. It was a great thing. Commie? Yeah, that's what I call it. They call it progressives now. I've, I was the original <laughs> progressive. It's yeah, called yeah. commie. Okay, got it. Right? And, uh, you know, no books, not bombs and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And I just loved it. And I love the people. And what I've noticed in this whole month that I've been touring, people are a little bit more, I don't know, they're a little bit easier to negotiate with. By the right. way, if you hear music in the background, it's my son playing. Uh, yeah, there he is. Rock on and off. But my po- my politics has shifted more towards center, right? Yeah. So I meet old commies and and I tell them, you know, I don't think you know we need to recite chapter and verse LBGYN all the time. You know what I mean? All the political correctness of the left. Oh. I just can't stand it. Yeah. And they're, they're, they can't stand it either. Whereas five or 10 years ago, you'd be like, you know what? People are dying for the right to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I see the left softening a little bit. Yeah, good. Right? 
and I, I met a bunch of Republicans and conservatives out in Re- in uh, Nevada where I'm working. Yeah. And uh, and they're more the true Republicans are more level-headed and more commonsensical. It's the whack jobs that are on um, television on both, in this on country. Both sides. On both sides. Both sides. Because that, that, there's no shortage on both sides. Because I've got to meet a lot of different people. and you know, I, It makes me libertarian. I, I just want the government to hell out of my I life. I think that's where everyone's shifting. Yeah. I think that's where the common I sense agree. is. I, right? I, I, I want to see youth go there before I know it's actually happening. I don't think the youth care. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a sad thing. I see a lot of youth jump on militant they, they sure, Right. They're sure interested right? in preferred gender pronouns. Yeah. That that trans. I got, I got lectured about trans. Well. That's you, the short for it. You can't say that. Trans? You have to say transgender. You have to say transgender. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you can't. And you have to ask somebody what their preferred gender pronoun is. <laughs> and you need to know that it and they are part of the preferred gender pronouns. All right, let me tell you something. Go read Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis. In 1983, I was in Cleveland. I was very friendly with some trans people. No, no, no. This Intimately is, friendly this with is, some trans people. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is even independent of, of transgender uh, issues and identity. It's gender. It's the politics of gender. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah. And so, but when you just talk with people, everybody's kind of wants a solution. I think that we're all kind of scared and tired of fighting. Well, but part you of the see fear, so much fighting on television. No, no, the fear is you say something on social media, you get you get a mob reaction. The yeah, most yeah. primitive reaction possible. Not a thoughtful response by thoughtful people. You a mob develops. This is what Kathy Griffin was talking about on my wife brought up uh, uh, that we were watching Kathy Griffin's show that uh, she said something del- you know sort of snarky about Demi Lovato and the Lovatics mobilized against and, her. Yeah, they were going to kill her. They threatened yeah, no. repeatedly to kill her. Well, you don't recall my uh, leaving Twitter immediately upon, you know, because VH1 wanted me to Twitter when the show was going. I started Twittering a little bit, right, or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Twitter at the time. And Michael Jackson died. Mm. And I simply tweeted one thing. Oh. Let me get this straight. This was day three uh-huh. post-Christ risen of Michael Jackson. I said, let me get this straight. <laughs> so, so... Four days ago, this man was an unemployed, what everybody believed to be pedophile. And, and, and now, and wait, hold on, stop, 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 stop. And and the other thing people forget is you could have picked up a British news rag, a, a, a celebrity rab, the day before he died, and he would have been called Wacko Jacko. Yes, that and was now, who they thought. They thought just of him. by passing away, he's now become Christ-like. Yeah, what is wrong with us as a nation? Uh. I, you know, I just feel for the guy. Yeah. That's all I said. He was I a sick, he was a sick drug addict sick who got guy. mistreated. People wanted to kill me. Yeah, well, if you say he's a drug addict, they, they freak out too. We'll, they, hear, we'll hear from them just with this <laughs> podcast. We will. I'm not kidding. I love Michael Jackson, but I know he was sick. And I know that he was, he was treated like a, like, a, like, somebody, a, like a leper in our society. Like veal. Yeah, you know what I mean, like weird. in a sack feeding him. Come on. And then all of a sudden he died, and he was the, uh, oh the greatest kid ever. And this gets back to the, your idea about the Aztecs. Well, my idea. I want. I want to. One thing I want to remind, remember to do is review our history together because we've still never done that. For yeah, people. yeah. Um, th- what I had told Bob once. I was trying to understand modern what, media. Yeah, what's going on in social media? Why this? Mo- maybe it was even before social media. I sort of predicted a little bit why. 
mob was becoming the way. Well, it was TMZ and it was People Magazine. Yeah. And it was this viciousness and, and towards Lindsay Lohan and Britney yeah. Spears. That's why I, I thought, these are little girls. Why is everybody attacking them? Right. And what I said was that when I look across history, I was trying to understand the anthropology and the history of narcissism. And and I was like I because we you know I, we and you you and I have witnessed this narcissistic trend. I mean, you go to any psychiatric hospital in the country, and you will see under the personality spectrums, narcissism is the exclusive diagnosis or narcissistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, things with borderline sociopath, narcissist. Those are all narcissistic personality issues, and that's exclusively what you see now. When I first started working in psychiatric hospital in the early '80s. You would see dependent personalities, obsessive compulsive personalities, all kinds of stuff. Now it's exclusively, nar- and we've all seen it. The narcissist. So that's shit. telling of our society, is what. You're yeah, saying. and I was right, and I was saying that that I've written books about this, and so everyone knows that we've all kind of know we're shifting towards narcissism as our predominant personality style. But I was trying to understand where else that has existed in history, and what the implications of that are. And so I started looking around, I started looking around, and I thought, oh my God, where you see really severe childhood trauma and severe narcissistic response, the, the two places I could find... Central and South America. No. Uh, well, the Aztecs. The Aztecs had something called the Codex, which was, a, which was a, an instruction manual, manual of how to create a warrior, essentially. How you abri- abuse the fuck out of your kids, like how including you them hold, a, holding them over, bowl. how you make a pit bull, holding fight. them over fires and things. They, if they misbehave, you put them in this cage and hold them over fire and so, at a certain period of time. It was like crazy, crazy stuff. And then I thought, oh well, no wonder they want to tear someone's heart out after that to become great warriors. You, that's how you create a warrior. You it's just like creating abused dogs. Those abused dogs, you can then throw in a pit bull ring, you know, or a dog fighting ring. But the same. Then I started thinking, well, okay, it, it, there's this. There's this phenomenon. There's a guy named Rene Girard that writes the French about French guy. French. He's actually a literary uh, analysis guy. He's the guy that created the the Hummer. He was the no, he was no, the, wasn't he the no. the research behind no. that women would want a Hummer no. because it keeps their kids safe. No, he he was developed a theory called the mimetic desire, mimetic passions, which he was looking at sort of patterns in literature and said, oh my God, there's always people. I'm, I'm going to really paraphrase very poorly, but they people gather together and sort of raise one up only to cut it down. Yeah. Well, raise one up and knock it down. Uh, especially, and I saw that in, especially in narcissistic periods of history, pre-French Revolution. Pre-revolutionary France, it's another time where if you really look around, like fucking Rousseau, you know who Rousseau yeah, yeah. left five kids at an orphanage, just handed them off. This poor woman that kept giving birth, and he goes, yeah, take it down, take it down to the orphanage, just leave it. Five kids. And that was routine back then. They would just abandon kids all over the place. You don't think that created some narcissistic injury? Yeah. And then Off they, with and, their heads. and then they would physically abuse them if they raised them. And yeah. he had he had both. He had abandonment and physical abuse in his life. And and uh, he wrote about it in a book called The Confessions. It's it's really one of the first Augustine or it, no he I'm I'm sorry uh, that's Saint Augustine wrote The Confessions. The, di- the uh, Rousseau, Rousseau wrote. Is, yeah, uh, I have that book. But I know the one. I you're think it's Confessions about. too. Uh, it, it's like the first autobiography. Uh, uh, I'll check that. Um, anyway, it's you know it chronicles all this trauma and stuff, trauma, trauma, trauma. And then guess what? You get a revolutionary France. People want to take the people that they, they've elevated and then destroy them. So I try little social experiments. Yesterday, 
I was getting my toenails done by chance, but Whoa, that's a whole other story. You, you cool? So, so when I was on something Facebook, my wife would try to get me to for years, I would never subject <laughs> myself to. I can't. I couldn't do it. If somebody's sitting at your feet, it's like so weird. It is kind of weird. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. I'm on Facebook, and there's this attack of the band No Effects because one of their members didn't recognize Keith Morris, a legendary punk rock singer on an airplane. And all I simply did, I chimed in, I said, hey, let's not attack a band just, you know, because stupid stuff like this. Stupid yeah. stuff like this. The attack then came towards me. <laughs> yes. Well, so this is, this is, again, this is the mob that that's develops. Right. This is the mob that develops. And, the, and a mob that's, that's traumatized and narcissistically oriented is not happy until there's blood. It's a it's a way of galvanizing the crowd so they don't act out on each other. So anyways, this leads us to Celebrity Rehab. I believe that a lot of the audience who watch Celebrity Rehab liked seeing them suffer through detox. Schadenfreude is and, the name yes. of that. Yes, and yeah. then they got bored as they started to give, we started to give the reasons why over a series of, of episodes yeah. of why Dennis Rodman is the way he is, yeah. of what explains Heidi, Yeah, yeah. right? Her yeah. neurobiology and yeah. her brain. Yeah. And, and Dennis has 49 brothers and sisters. Oof. I mean, come on. Oof. Yeah, did you know that? So you're not on mic anymore, Susan. Turn your mic Okay, on. so, so... Uh, we were starting to show why they are the assholes that the public perceives, yeah. right? Yeah. The numbers start to go down. And if you recall, big numbers for when they're detoxing, numbers started to kind of peak yeah. about episode four or five. By the time they they're getting better, they were getting better. Yeah. It starts to come back up to the finale, right? Yeah. So they feel vindicated from their guilt. Yeah, somehow they were doing yeah. it over 10 episodes yeah. of, a, of a reality TV show. Interesting. Just by the numbers. Start with 2.8, go down to 1.3. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And then the end is equal to the beginning. So they like that, well, watching he, them suffer, and I not feel sorry for these people, and then like, oh, it's so great right. that they're so, doing so, good. So that's the American... Happily ever after. I, I understand. I, it's not been designed that way, but I do understand that I've experienced that, as I've observed, uh, how people behave... Life is not like that. Life is but way listen, more complicated. What, what we like is stories of resurrection. So, so we like we like the the comeback story, right? So we love indulging in feeding off people that are that are fallen, and then we like to give them a chance to come back to relieve us of our guilt for liking them being down there. Correct. It All just right. gives us our, and it also tells us we have the possibility of so resurrection. So then, here's too. why I think every, the public turned on us. So. They, they're leaving on a happy note. These people are doing great. They're going to be ballerinas yeah. and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And then, and then they reality die. Hits. Yeah, reality hits. And who's to blame? You. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, because the, the reality is drug addicts die all the time. And yeah, they die of their disease no matter what we time. do. No matter what we do. Especially when they you don't. You know how many people in my direct family have died of alcoholism or drug addiction? Oh, yeah. Too many to count. Yeah. Suicide, alcoholism, cirrhosis of the liver, heart disease from alcoholism, then... Second generation, dr drug addiction, uh, uh, incarceration, AIDS. Third generation, prescription drug overdose. Three generations of fourth dying. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yes, it's a dangerous condition in this culture. America knows that because now they're, they're dying the in their family. Well, now it's happening. Now, now it's now happening it's, because it, it's it's so pervasive now. It's sick. So what do we do? We got to get people on the right track. You got to talk. You got to have good boundaries. It's also why the whole replacement movement has stepped up because it's desperation. 
yeah. so desperate. And and there's no money to treat it properly. So so why not just give a replacement? Yeah. It does work. It works, you know, a limited way. Works for some well. Uh, and you know, I I again, I'm I don't want to I don't want to scare you, but you know what I'm seeing a really big increase in what them not taking the replacement drugs that the medical profession's in favor of, of and going to pot. I know a oh, lot of yeah. heroin addicts smoking yeah, yeah. pot. And you know and what? I always wait for them to go back to heroin. And I got to tell you, Drew, the last two or three years, they're not. I know. The I pot must be so strong. They're just anesthetized. The, it, it, it is, but I'd prefer them to be on pot than a lot of other things. Than Suboxone? I, I can't say that in any kind of meaningful way in terms of... Um, but I, I see it. I see it happening I, I, But I've seen, I've seen marijuana maintenance. I've seen that. And I think the people that advocate for a clinical pot would also say that they prescribe it that way. And I think they do. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I would rather see somebody on pot than heroin. I would rather see somebody. Yeah, on, for sure. I'd rather see somebody on pot than oxycontin and Vicodin and all these other oral. I opiates. don't want to see kids on anything. Right. I don't 19, think you can. 19, 20, 22, I don't, think I don't you like can, that. I don't think you can aspire to a flourishing existence doing any of these things. We got a call. We're You're chronically see who's oh, yeah. calling in. All right. Hold on this. They're going to call in just a second. This is somebody who emailed us at com, and then we set up the Skype. Hi. Hey there. Hi. Howdy, howdy. Oh, listen to the dog in the background. That's, cute. That's, That's cute. the best. <laughs> what kind of dog is that? Sorry, she's a German Shepherd Lab. Fantastic. <laughs> it's going to trigger the jo- dogs here. Yeah, I know. No, it's just in our headset, at least. <laughs> All right. So, what? I'm sorry, what is your name? I'm Kiara. Kiara. All right, yeah. Kiara. Thanks for calling us. What's your question? Um, I guess. Uh, my mom has severe bipolar disorder and she's a recovering alcoholic and, you know, prescription du- drugs and does meth on occasion. Oh, so hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. How old is she? 44. And how long has she been, quote, sober? Uh, well, I mean, it's been on and off for, since I was five. What, what is, does she in the program? Does she go to meetings? She doesn't go to meetings. Um, did she ever? When I was younger, she did. I would say like the past five years, she hasn't gone to a meeting. It's more just her staying sober on her own. Does she go to rehabs a lot or no? Uh, When I was, she went to two rehabs, but all that was probably about 10 years ago. And when you say she does meth occasionally, how often? Um, Well, um, I would say every couple couple months, she kind of disappears for a couple days and then she'll come home and she'll be completely out of it. Like I found out last night she was gone. Um, and then she just showed up a couple hours ago uh-huh. and she's kind of erratic right now. Do you but, live with her? Uh, yeah, I lived with my aunt for a while, but I moved back home. And are you there now and your mom's in that house somewhere? Yeah. I'm in my Could, room. Would she talk to us? Uh, oh. I mean, possibly. She's kind of you out can. of character. I'll talk to her. Yeah. I'll talk to her. Does okay. she know who I am or we are? Um, she I, must have watched I, Celebrity Rehab before, huh? Yeah. Or no? He watches VH1 a lot. Okay. okay there hey, you wait. Go. Before you get it, because I, I, as a physician, I can't really. Oh, you don't talk. want to. No, you can't. I can't. 
okay. but but listen, I because I, I, I can only do educational stuff across state lines yeah. on the internet stuff. Okay, uh, why don't we do this? But, but why w- don't we talk with you and then maybe set up something for next time that I'll talk to your mother. Okay, that works. So we'll just talk. And, That's fine. And um, but but the or, or she can come in. It's fine. I, but 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 I want to know more about what's going on. Is this bipolar diagnosis? Is it perhaps that it's all the meth and she's really not bipolar? Uh, that's what I was thinking. If it's more just like an environmental thing, or... well, not environmental, a brain thing that you can induce yeah. things that look like bipolar if you use methamphetamine. If she didn't tell whoever, whatever doctor that was doing the assessment that she's doing meth pretty regularly, uh, yeah, you know. But it, it sort of is a moot point because you're going to treat the bipolar either way. Uh, it, it oftentimes we would treat the bipolar. They get sober. You can take them off the bipolar meds and see if it was really bipolar or not. And uh, sometimes it would not have been bipolar had they not been a drug addict or it wasn't bipolar in the first place. But in the meantime, you have to treat it as though it is because their moods are off. Yeah. Well, she I, she does take like Lutuda and stuff like that. And when, when she's not on her psych meds. talking to about me? When she's not on her psych meds. Lamictal? She takes Lamictal and Lutuda? Is that right? Uh, yeah. So when she's not on her psych meds, she really... She struggles. Yeah, so she'll be a completely different person to the point where she's talking, like, talking about religious fanatic things, like, talking completely out of character. She's not functional, yeah, that's, normal that's, person. That's that's either an amphetamine psychosis and or mania. So, oh. and, and and Lamictal Latou, that's a good combination. I mean, that's... But she has to take it. And the meth will push right on through that, by the way. And by the way, people who are taking meth aren't into taking their meds. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, what I've always come to learn after all these years is no one is one thing. And we just keep doing an either or. Everybody is, everybody is complicated. So, yeah, personality problems. Yeah, possibly mood problems. My mood problems. Yeah. And then you have addiction, addiction problems. You have trauma problems. You have abandonment yeah. issues. Right. You have all, all these of- things and all the things that those things create in a life unemployment, yeah. unstable yeah. living environment, uh, estranged relationships. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's all this big cluster, and everybody wants a simple answer. They're bipolar, so put them on, yeah. you know, this, and everything should be all right. And it makes the person with the problem, uh, you know, feel like, no, nobody's listening to me. Yeah. Because medicine d- alone does not help. It helps, but it's not the it doesn't. The, it's not the, 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 the silver The beginning bullet. of the ending, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's why, listen, yeah. all the research shows that whenever you treat somebody for mental health issues, medication plus talk of some type, you know, some sort of therapeutic intervention, always has better outcomes. Always, always, always. And I believe in prioritizing. Sure. What's that? I've always tried to push her to go to therapy. Like, yeah. I myself went when I was younger, mm-hmm. and every time I suggest that she... She won't go. I mean, I know there's a lot of things in her past as far as um, trauma. Yeah, like her and my grandma don't get along at all. Like, sure. Well, listen, let, the, the one thing you've got to do is take care of yourself, right? Yeah. And you sound pretty centered. You sound pretty together. But I know under that superficial togetherness, this really causes you a lot of distress and pain, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, a program called Al-Anon, you go there, get a sponsor, work with them, or get a therapist, or both for yourself. It will help you help her, too. Okay. Yeah. Al-Anon? Al-Anon. Go to a program called Al-Anon. Just look it up online. There'll be a program near you 
Just okay. go there, tell your story, get some support, get a sponsor, and uh, you'll be surprised how much good that does, not just for you, but for your ability to help her. Okay. See how I do that, Bob? I always tell the codependents, you'll help you end up helping them. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they won't go otherwise. The, if it's just the, for me, I won't go. Here's the other <laughs> thing. When you come from parents like that, it's, it, you constantly want their love and approval, and you never get it, really. And so you need to get it from other places around in your life that you don't really expect that love and approval is okay to get from your closest friends, from family members, from people that mentors, you've got to get nurtured and fed and you're not So you can't get nurtured and fed from somebody who can't nurture and feed you. And once they've pretty much, you know, made it obvious they can't do that. You need to still get nurtured and fed. There's that. And I, I hear in your particular, I feel from what you're, what I feel from you, this is scary. <laughs> this is scary for you. It is. Yeah, you're afraid, and and to be in a supportive environment with people that have dealt with this and can give you good counsel, minute to minute, and support you as you deal with it, can really reduce your anxiety about this. I I, I hear how scared you are. It's it's hard. Like I don't I don't know. I feel like I'm parenting my parent. Of course. Well, that's what you're doing. That's what you're and that's doing. And that's what Bob is talking about, is when you can't get the nurturing you need from the one who is supposed to give it, you d- need to go out and get it from someone, and there are people that will provide it. They're probably yeah. in your life. You just need to look elsewhere. Okay. How old are you? 23. Yeah, you got it. You need to be getting on with your life, too. You can't let it drag you down. That's Do you go to thing. school? Um, I took this past year off See, because yeah, I'm worried about mom. It was a, a tough year just because this past year she's been leaving a lot and kind of disappearing. And um, I don't know. I started, you know, having to work two jobs. Oh. So it was just a little stressful. A little yeah. stressful. What happened? I like the way what you happened? minimize it. <laughs> what happened with your aunt? How come you had to move out of your aunt? Well, I didn't have to. It was just because... Um, You're going to go save mom. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Like, I feel like it's a lot better when I'm here. She doesn't, you know, disappear as much. I feel like she... Yeah, but you can't be chained to her. You can't bring your... your you can't have her life pull your life into its vortex. When's the last time you went out and saw a movie you wanted to go see? Um... I don't know, like a month ago. Okay, you Not need to live your life. That's pretty good. Yeah, you you have to do one thing for us out of this conversation. You must go to Al-Anon. You got to promise us you're going to go. Don't I feel will. guilty about having your own life. Yeah. That's what moms like that do. Yeah. 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 She's she's yeah. got a lot. You know, it's not it's never it's probably never going to be perfect with mom, uh, but yeah. Hopefully she'll, you know, somebody's treating her. That's good news. Um, she's maybe you can get her to go to some NA meetings or something, you know, some 12 step meetings again. You know, yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot of identified addicts start to go, particularly ones that have been to meetings in the past, will start to go when they see their loved one going to Al Anon. Really? Yep. Yep. Hey, Bob, tell everybody how to find Al Anon. So, Al Anon, you just look it up online, Al Anon or Naranon, it's called Narcotics Anonymous for Family. I like Al Anon better, it's just yeah. better. Yeah. Al-Anon's more ready available. Where yeah. are you? Where are you? Are you? Where's what town are you in? Orange County. Oh yeah, oh, there's a God. million. Yeah, call, million. call up, call up a place. Um, what's that place called? Call up a place called Northbound and yeah. ask them for a referral for family members of addicts. 
Okay. But they're gonna want, they might want to give full treatment, though. Of Al-Anon. Yeah, Al-Anon referral. They'll give Al-Anon. Tell them that Bob Forrest told you to call and you're looking for Al-Anon support groups Good ones. in that area. In your area. In your yeah. area. Because they'll know where, where they recommend is the best ones. Okay. Okay? That's Northbound Treatment Services on Von Carmen. Yeah. Yeah. Costa Mesa, Costa right? Costa Mesa. And yeah. the phone number is 949-650-4334. They're a great treatment. Six five zero. Nine four nine six five zero. Five zero four three three four. Okay. Okay. All right, my dear. Good good luck. Uh, you need lots of support. That's the main thing. It's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a marathon, as you well know. But go back to school. Take care of yourself, okay? Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for calling. So let's talk about this. So the main thing that you have with a mother like that is they're gonna die. Yeah. And they usually don't. My no, I know. Been, my mother's been going for 30 years since I thought she was going to die. Yeah. You well, know that, what but, I mean? But that's... But Damn the, it. Well, you live your whole life trying to save them from dying. Well, the problem is that's the same thing, though, that parents fantasize is going to happen to their kids. Same mechanism, but the for kids, sure. But the kids do die. Yeah, the kids are the dying. The kids are dying. But the moms, it's been a mess for 20 years. Yeah. So she's going to be all right. But it, it, the addict then plays on... Without, not consciously. Oh, for sure. They play on the fear, yeah. Yeah, that's why they don't answer their phones. Listen, I still all the basics stuff you used to do yeah don't answer your phone they'll start worrying about you (laughs) stop calling them why switch the tables on them right well the the magic if you want to run off and take drugs they'll be butthurt when you don't call (laughs) 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 hysterical so so here's what i do with families you want to know and tell me if this is wrong drew we haven't been working side by side with cases in a long time yeah so when a, t- when a child is in my ch- care or in rehab or whatever, and they leave and they're on a run and they won't answer their phone, yeah. and the mothers are beside themselves out, and they're yeah. going to fly from, from Milwaukee out here and all this kind of stuff, yeah. I always say, do me a favor, disconnect their phone. Because it's always the parents are always paying the cell phone. I say, shut that phone off. Yeah. And I guarantee you they'll call. Yeah. And they always do. Right. I'm, like, I'm the... like 11 for 11 with that. <laughs> it's because the money's, the money's going to go. Because they need the phone to, to make Call the their drug dealers, dealers. yeah. <laughs> but not only that, they also feel like, uh-oh, that my resources, you know, my, my lifeline of money and whatnot is going to get cut yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Just cut yeah. off the phone and you'll find out where they are it's pretty quick. It's a big quick. message. It's very good. Yeah, it's a good one. So uh, we have a couple of people that couldn't Skype and wanted you to read their Okay, is that okay, these two? Questions. All right. Um, before I do, I, I, I'll, I want to tell it. I guess I'll wrap up by telling the story of how we got together. But let's do let's do these okay. emails first. Uh, I don't know where to begin. This is from Patricia. My niece is tearing our family apart. She's gone oh. inpatient several times. She keeps friends that guide her back to drugs. I tell her if they were real friends, they would support her and not offer her drugs. I'm an RN, and I honestly thought I could help because I've dealt with many, many, many patients. I, but even I cannot make a difference. We're supportive. We don't understand how much... She doesn't understand how much we are hurting. She lies. There's an answer for everything. A one-month inpatient center only helps for a couple of months, and it's back to drugs. We cannot leave her alone, but we work full-time, and it's difficult to continue to ask for time off from work. Oh, boy. Here's the same kind of story. Oh, this exactly is now, yeah. the same. My brother takes Mondays off to stay home with her. My sister... See, this is... No, 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 no. This is not, not how you do this. No, 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 no. She has full life in front of her. She's only 21. She's tried to enter life several years ago. Is there a facility recommended in Phoenix? Of course, a ton of them in Phoenix. Uh, then Phoenix would be... Uh, Cottonwood. Cottonwood and uh, Sierra Tucson. Sierra Tucson, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a third one out there. The, the, the Meadows. 
The Meadows is in Tucson, though, I think. Uh, for somebody like this, I would recommend the Meadows. If they can take them over it's to only Tucson. only 100 miles, Drew. To, from Tucson to Phoenix? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I would go to the Meadows because she sounds like she has a personality disorder in yeah, addition but, to addiction, the, the amount of chaos. They're contributing to the trouble. You know, I wrote a short story about my dad. Yeah. And every time I hear stuff like this and I deal with this on a 24-hour-a-day basis. Family members doing yeah. this kind of thing, yeah. And I just think my dad would be rolling over in his grave. Like, what the fuck? Who's sitting home with the drug addict person <laughs> so they don't take drugs? What the hell is that? You know, know what I mean? Yeah. The old-fashioned, commonsensical approach. Yeah. Like, the family is sicker than the drug addict. Well, it all, yeah. They're, they, or I, I, I would say... Not not to take aim at these people, but many and many families. I'm be- not saying them in particular. But listen, I'm just saying no, no, in general but listen, what goes on. Families become sick because they have a drug addict in their family. I, I will give them that. It's not as though they're, they're all sick and they're all emotionally disturbed. It's that the addiction pulls Let them into the illness. I, I have to comment on that. We talked about narcissism. Yep. That's very narcissistic for a brother to think, oh, I'll just stay home on Mondays yep. from work. Yep, and I'll make you better. And I'll make you better. Yep, even if it's a codependent impulse, like sort of an Andy dick sort of codependency uh it's still a reverse narcissism it's like i need your pain makes me unable to function and that's codependency also. yeah that's codependency right yeah. so that that you know parents need to i don't know how do we convey back like i didn't i have good work ethic i know right from wrong i've always <laughs> known right from wrong i just choose wrong because i'm whatever yeah my form, yeah my we have shitty 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 right it's family stuff we haven't but told your story the yet either. fundamentals of that generation who raised the 50 somethings yeah it, we threw it all baby out with the bathwater, and yes, some of it was really fucking good yes it's true like accountability so gr- i've not heard it articulated <laughs> quite so clearly but i think you're right you know what I mean? If and and also a little bit of, uh, it's, it's not tough love so much as common sense. Common it's, sense. Yeah, just common sense parenting, yeah. That that we, and I, I certainly have done it with my kid or with uh, close family members. Yeah. You know, I was chasing Anthony around a lot when he relapsed. Anthony Keyes, he had five yeah. years and then he was abusing for about two years and now he's got like 15 years. But those two years, me and Louie and Flea and everybody was chasing him around. We trace his credit card down and try to surprise him at a hotel yeah. and all this. And finally, I just got tired of him. I was like, fuck it. And those guys were going to run around and look for him again. And I said, I'll wait right here. He knows where I fucking live. Yeah. And you know what? A few weeks later, he called me. He goes, what do you think I should do? And I go, <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally didn't because we had tried everything. Treatment here, treatment there. Go here, go do this and that. And finally, I said, you need to get back to the basics somehow. And he went home to his mom's and went mm-hmm. to AA. Yeah, well. You know what I mean? Yeah, very simple. Very simple stuff. Yeah. But but this chasing someone around and all the drama no, of it crazy. all they and track their credit card. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? The fear, though, is, of course, the 21-year-old is going to die. And it's a legitimate potential. Uh, with the, with legitimate the, potential. Uh, the, the, this family needs to go get treatment. I mean, I mean you'd, I, for me, this is somebody needs to be away for three to six months. If you really want to try to do something, you try to put away for six months. Like you There's said. also a hint in that letter that they're starting to not believe treatment works. So she's been to treatment two times. Listen, yeah. she might have to go 20 more times. Yeah. That frightens people. You went 22 times, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, and you, you know, do you feel that any of those were a waste of time? No, you learn a lot. Here's one thing I always recognized, and it got entrenched in me. I am an addict because I would go to these places and be with addicts and I fit right in. I'm connected. I am the same. I have this regardless of where education or, 
or background or whatever, I really connected with I'm an addict. The question was, am I willing to do what's necessary to stay sober? And right. I wasn't. That's that, always that's the question. Simple. That's always the issue. But really. I was in many mental hospitals also, and I never felt like this is where I belong. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> I was on lockdowns against my will and stuff. CPC Westwood, do you ever practice there? I, I'm familiar with it, but I never did. I was on the locked Paul, unit Paul for Williams a month. Paul Williams used to be there. Yeah, and so did Buddy Arnold worked there. Oh, Buddy Arnold. I was on the locked unit for a month yeah. just because I tried to kill myself. What's the big <laughs> deal about that? Come on now. But they I may have saved your life, though. Every day, I was like, I am not like these people. Yeah. You know, I could recognize. So you need to find and identify. Identification is the main thing in 12-step. Well, but a lot of people, though, you find is a part of that, too. A lot of people go to 12-step and feel different. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like, they go to rehab and feel different. I understand, but they got to identify what's what's in common. Yeah, and you can tell them that, but they won't do it until they go and go and go and right. start to realize, oh, my God, I'm the same as these people. That's right. Uh, maybe that, maybe the going and going, maybe I'm worse even. I'm so much a part of it. I'm worse than the rest. I just couldn't see it. But, you know, this is uh, this is family in Al-Anon, patient in ex- extended care treatment. Detached with Stand- love is what they call it. Well, I was going to say that. You, you were a little angry when you detached from Anthony Kiedis, and, and you, you really want to do it, frankly, the way if people want to relate to public figures that are doing this. I thought Khloe Kardashian did it about right. She was, I tried you, I tried, I tried. I can't be around you killing yourself or getting a divorce. He finally, She finally detached with love. I love you, I think you're great, but I can't do this anymore. Then he nearly dies, that's what happens. And then she appropriately has stayed married to have be help with the medical decision-making but not re-engaging in the relationship, even though she cares deeply about him. That, that, and that seems about right to me. I, I never liked the, the, the using public figures as the example. Well, so. but that's all. It's how they people know. relate. It's, I know. It, it's really touchy with that because uh, she's been on the cover of every magazine talking about it. So that's a little... No, not little, really. Not really. I'm sort of reading between I the lines. I was at Rite Aid last night buying nicotine gum and yeah. it was on the cover of every one of them. What, what was she saying? I don't read them. I don't know. Yeah, it's I just, just it's them. Chloe and Lamar. <laughs> yeah, it's them. It's them making an issue. She has been pretty quiet. Oh, really? She's not been out there. No, 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 no. I, I I've been defending her for a while because I think I think she's. I mean, he's bad. You know, he's dying of addiction. I know. Let's let's be clear. I mean, that that was just not a little crack. There are some other sports figures dying of addiction yeah. also, and we're going to get into that through the coming episodes. Uh oh. Anybody we know? Yes, very close to us. Oh no. So, you know. Um, is he gonna willing to come on here? He keeps denying it, but we'll see. Okay, right. you know what I mean. Well, so they, there's a good example of how we can't do anything. He's denying he's doing. We, we won't name who this is yet. I yeah. think if he hears this, he'll know we're talking. I about. know. I'm getting, uh, feeling uh, guilty uh, now in my but, codependency. <laughs> but he 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 doesn't tell us what's really going on, and even if he did, he won't accept any treatment. So he'll accept treatment, I think, if uh, if we can break through of what's really going on. Well, but. <laughs> All right, here's a new man, another uh, email. My husband, oh, this is uh, uh, another shocking tale. Been using prescription meds for over 12 years. Pain meds, originally it was due to an auto accident. Gave his Drug addict, obfuscation. Yeah. <laughs> Five <laughs> knee surgeries in 10 years. Final knee oh, surgery, total yeah. knee replacement. He's 32. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe the pain is gone. There's drug no need addict, to con- drug yeah, addict. I know. Drug addict, obfuscation, medical obfuscation. Hold on a second. We agree he has a dependency on pain meds. He doesn't know how to get off them and is scared. Disappointed by a hotline, uh, stating a uh, person on the line said, "Husband would need to check himself in treatment center for minimum two months. It would be far away from me. Our two small kids. If he didn't do it, he would die." They told him the truth. <laughs> they told her the truth. 
Uh, we both seen all the intervention shows, understand what is involved, but the situation seems a little less extreme than the shows we watch. He has a very important job, cannot afford to take months off. Is there help out there that would help him slowly wean the intake of the pills? Uh, what, kind of, what kind of job can you do if you're wasted on pills? I know, right? Is there also maybe a support group scene attend? All right, so here's the easier, kinder way. He can go to a outpatient. Do- he can go to an outpatient treatment or even 12-step, but he's got to go on a daily basis. He's got to titrate, though. He can go on Suboxone and titrate off. Yeah. On Suboxone. Give it's, if, if somebody uh, takes him more than two weeks in that titration, maybe even three weeks, three if, they, weeks. if they suggest he stay on the For Suboxone. Three years, three weeks. All right. Then you have a bigger problem on your hands, though, if he can't get off the Suboxone. <laughs> then you have to be more willing to do the long-term thing. I think you have somebody on the line there. Let's see what that is. Is somebody Skyping in? No, it was not them? Oh, okay. Oh, it sounded like a Skype. So, anyways, uh, so, so they told him a, a, a reasonable and dogmatic answer, which is, yeah, you need two or three months of treatment away. That's That would definitely have a better outcome. But going a, a lesser route, if you want to try it, tapering is an outpatient on Suboxone and so then going to 12-step and or outpatient treatment. But it's not likely to work if he's really an opiate addict. I want to get though. into the labels now. Yeah. So why does everybody hate the term drug addict? I don't know because I love it. Uh, they, because people feel it's it pejorative. Explained everything N- about me. Non-addicts feel <laughs> non-addicts or non-addicts and resistant addicts feels pejorative. I'm addicted to drugs. I uh, yeah. So I know. That, I must be a drug addict. I know. They, we can't do that. We we have to call it a substance use disorder. <laughs> substance use yeah. disorder. Yeah, that's what we have to call it now because it's too pejorative <laughs> to call it drug addiction. It's it's it, it's giving addictions the term. Uh, it's, this reminds me of back when, when the pain medicine thing was getting going. Who are you to say what pain is? All the pain, the, the lunatics getting a control of the A human being asylum. who's lived with yeah. pain. I, I'm fine with them calling substance use disorders and the way they've classified okay. them. DSM-5, but let's also retain the term addiction because it really is the catch-all that all disciplines can use. So now when... Because I see America as one big addict population <laughs> on a certain level because okay. of food. Oh, yeah. Because of food, Yeah. right? Yeah. So why is that term so repulsive to our society? I don't know. It's racism, Drew. Because who were drug addicts traditionally up until the 1960s? Well, I, I know that, that yes. Addict populations or, 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 were in, his, in the or, minority or, population. But not just minorities, but underclass, under, under so low yes, socioeconomic. Yes, for sure. So, so there's a whole, I, I agree that there's a really serious class conversation that needs to be had in this country that we are just shying away from for reasons I don't understand. So doctors and people like that can't be drug addicts. Right. Only musicians That's right. or... People of color, yeah, people, people of color, immigrants. Yeah, yeah, we, we vilify drug addicts. Watch the show, The Nick Bob. Will you fucking watch that show? No, I, it talks about well, it shows all where all this all came from at the turn of the century. It's still with us. Well, here's the funny thing: I work with the wounded warriors, and they don't like the term either. Soldiers don't like the term addict. Yeah, because it sounds weak. Isn't that yeah? It makes so sense if we me. have a disorder that's killing yeah. our nation, yeah, you're not allowed to even no name it. No one wants to even, even be called it. it. You can't even name it. That might have something to do with it. Well, let's well, think of a term. We need to. Oh, I had, I had a term. It. I came up with this years ago, and Bob and I used to work together. Remember? Trauma survivor. No, no, no. Remember? What was Rad. It? Remember Rad? What? It, oh, you don't remember this? I used to give lectures every Wednesday, and I would go, "Listen, you guys are so screwed up by calling addiction. It's I describe what's going on in the brain, and I go, you see, it's your reward system. So let's call it reward, reward activation active, disorder. Yeah, reward yeah. system activation disorder. Rad. It's a rad. I got rad. That's Perfect. the more, more, more. Yes, again, yes. again. Well, do it again. A, do it again. Distillation of all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Reward activation disorder. Yeah. Perfect. 
You, so, you have to constantly, that, that part of your how brain. How does that work with it's food? It's not catchy enough. How does it work, <laughs> yeah, it's not. How does it work with food? Uh, food is a little more complicated. But it does. It's if you really get going with it, you need satiation and, and the gratification and the reward and habituation. Yeah. Well, reward. It's reward. It's do it again, do it again, do it again, and dependency on that reward activation as a way of managing affect, and then being dependent on it. So I. So can you see that I'm talking about fifty percent of the population mm-hmm. at least had some sort of addictive disorder? <sighs> I, I'm sighing because it's all back to the attachment stuff. We don't know how to raise our children. Because we've had attachment deficiencies, we don't. We've had insecure attachments. We provide further insecure attachments. I think it all comes from parenting. So let's look yeah. at this. Yeah. The turn of the century. My dad's. And by the way, there's a, there's a Facebook thing going on out there where where this guy is saying addiction is really all about trauma. It's not about. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. No, of course. We, you and I, have it's been saying that in, for decades. One ingredient, but it but it, it, it activates the addiction. Yes, so, absolutely. So, so child rearing. Post uh, at the turn of the century, yep. you know, yep. coming into my dad's parents yep. were distant, abusive. Yeah. That's just the way the society was. Yeah. My dad was an educated man. He knew he never put a hand on any of us, but he was still a trauma survivor of that born yeah. in 1918. But a lot of the things he did as a parent or the way he wanted order in his family were correct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we all humans need that structure and order and things and a little bit of mm, three out of four graduate from college. Mm-hmm. Two out of three have very successful lives. Um, uh, two out of four. Um, you go to the, our generation, the baby boom. I'm a late baby boomer. We're horrible parents. The horrible generation of parenting. We're the ones that invented everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. We're the one that invented you're the most special, greatest person that ever lived. Because it's what I wanted, or if I see you having any discomfort, I can't tolerate it, so I got to make sure you don't feel bad. Well, but it's not preparing your children for the real world. Yeah, real world is... Life is miserable. Well, real world, don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. life is miserable. (laughs) You have some unpleasant feelings. I'm here for you. Yeah. But I'm not going to take the feelings away. There you go. Yeah. Because if you... Oh, is it time, Susan? We're... What are you what are you looking at us for? Too negative. <laughs> what is that? Too negative. What is that? No, we're getting close, but you guys are you're on to something. Too negative? What do you what are you thinking? I, no, I was just I was just trying to tell you we're getting close. Oh, close to But end. so what I want is that's what this, I want that's us, what this is. Okay. This I just want a support <laughs> network for parents that are willing to use common sense, <laughs> right? Uh, to use common sense and yes. do the right thing. We need a family support system to go to use common sense. But unfortunately, I'm not sure we have the emotional landscape to really do that with a kind of effectiveness. We, we, it's, it's the difference between detaching with love, like a, with an addict, and just being pissed off and yeah, lowering the Yeah, you can't do it. I try to get coach parents away from doing it expecting a result that they want. Yeah. Right? That's where the anger comes from. Oh, God, I'm okay. Yeah. It's more like... Listen, this isn't working what you've been doing for 10 years. Yeah. And I agree that some of his difficulties in functioning in our society are your fault. But the fact is he's 26 years old and can't function in our society. So unless you're willing to to subsidize his ability to function in our society, Me pay no. his rent, yeah. pay his cell phone bill, pay yeah. his car insurance or whatever. But they want the rehabs to fix all that. Yeah. And that's why the system is broken. Yeah. Because there, it, it can't fix that. It can't, you know, uh, I tell the story. I went to Mount Rushmore with a client who we had a court case there. 
and Mount we were, Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, in, in South, in Carol- town, South Dakota. In South Dakota. He had That's a court crazy. case there, and we flew up there, and we had court in the morning, and they recognized me from Celebrity Rehab, the bailiff, and the judge wanted to meet me, and I, I said, I think this is going to go really good. <laughs> so that we were put first on the docket, out of there at nine o five, got everything we wanted. So we had the flight back was at four o'clock, so we had nothing to do. We're in Mount Rushmoreville, right? So I said, well, let's go to Mount Rushmore. And he goes, where is that? Oh, wow. And I said, well, it's Mount Rushmore Holiday Inn we're staying in, <laughs> and the Mount Rushmore, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mount Rushmore is in the mini, you yeah. know, everywhere. Yeah. And so he goes, he Googles it or looks it up, and he goes, oh, it's like 45 miles from here. I go, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. We're going to go to Mount Rushmore, dude. And we go there, and it's freezing cold. We're in Mount Rushmore, just me and this young 20-year-old guy. And we walk out to it, and it's just like 25 degrees, and I want him to take my picture by Mount Rushmore. How many times do you get to be there? And we're driving back, and he's looking out the window. I go, what are you thinking about, dude? And he goes, why would that guy spend three years of his life to do that? Yeah. I was like, because it's awesome. I don't know, because he wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird yeah. to like have this nothing be meaningful. It's not be. about him. It's not about the guy that did it. He could have been doing something for himself. Yeah. But he, you know, if you know the story, he slept in a little house there in the freezing right. cold, and he worked the wall was, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, because people used to do badass shit. Yeah. For no reason. To say, say they've done it. <laughs> to to do it. They didn't have an iPhone. <laughs> I know. No, you're right. That's an interesting way of saying it. Yeah. They didn't have other distractions. But it was so incomprehensible to a modern young person. Well, that's in again the doing something bigger than the self. Selfless, that, also. Yeah, it's and that, like, right. It's an, an homage to somebody, and that's the stuff we're always trying to coach them on. The stuff bigger than you out there, everybody. However you can understand that, whatever that is, however you construct that. What's going to be interesting is when this generation, twenty-something generation, so ill prepared for reality, enters. 50, 55, 60, looking down at less time here than you had. Yeah. And all, I think I perceive what they're wasting, not being prepared for living. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's such an avoidant culture of video games and Facebook and just avoid, avoid, avoid. Imagine this generation. They're going to end up being 60 years old. They're going to have avoided everything for the whole time they were here. What's that going to be like? I don't know. I'm just thinking it feels awful to even think about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Put down your phone. I do it all the time. And, and by the way, the solution is real simple. Keep it simple. Family, friends. Play baseball. Yeah. It's do simple. stuff. Play Nourish, catch. Nourishing activities. Go on a walk. Keep, remember, Freeno always said, keep life simple. People need a simple life. Yeah. Work, you can love, do something play. more complex if you can tolerate it, but, but it's not going to add that much. And there's a thing in the big book of AA. It says, we know about the alcoholic personality. It says, we know... We think we know better how to solve the world's problems and we don't even balance our own checkbooks. <laughs> right? That's narcissism writ loud. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. All right, Susan from uh, Susan Pinsky from Calling Out with Susan Pinsky. Is it time for us to wrap this thing up? Uh, Is that what I see you anxiously leaning into your mic for? No, it, it's good. It's just, it could go another hour. Well, do you want to do another hour? Uh, with parenting? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. We'll have to do that next time. Next time. Uh, we got lots. Of, Bob and I have lots to say. And by the way, we st- I still didn't tell the story about how we met. Well, let's think of the first time. I, Go ahead. The way I recall it is, we have time? I walked you in. Have, you have eight minutes. Oh, I can tell. I walked in, and you were, this is in my mind's eye, which you never can trust. I walked into the booth at the K-Rock that was on Burbank Boulevard, yes. you know, in Burbank. Olive and Olive and, and you were standing Riverside. behind the console. Yep, that's where I used to stand. Right? Yep. And 
it was, but remember Louis that you ended up working at MTV? He was an intern for you. Yeah. That's who I Lu- knew. Louis Largent. Louis. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's who I knew. Yeah. And oh god, we should get back in touch. We should get Lewis as a guest. Hey, Susan, oh, that would be great. Susan, we can do that. We still have connections with him. Okay. And Lewis um, Largent, guest. And he had liked Thelonious Monster or something. I think that's yeah. how I was on. This is before the thing that you say. This is yeah. a couple years before the when the thing. Because I just well, tell what you mean by like, the thing. Well, when you say you're going to make you, a great therapist, a, if you could stop taking it. There, there, there's a documentary about Bob's life called the, the Bob and the Monster, and in there they took a. a piece of audio from some radio he and I had done a couple years and after that's first in 88 met. because that album that I'm promoting came out in 88 okay but and you I and I had seen each other two years prior okay when was that Pasadena building of Cairo I mean that uh Burbank building what uh years? that that was like uh probably 88 to 94 95 maybe? well when I maybe went 96. there that was the first time it had been there 86 yeah, yeah. is when it was there I think because I'd been to the Pasadena one that looked like a dental yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. Then it moved there, right? Yeah. Okay, so th- the first time I ever walked into the booth, I was like, fuck, K-Rock's badass now. This is really real. When it was in a building. Yeah, yeah. in a building yeah. with like real equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, in, in there, Bob was loaded again. but he's, I, I, I was in. really drunk that <laughs> time when I saw you behind the console. And I load in. I go, Bob, you would make a good therapist if you would ever get your shit together. Because he was, t- was talking to somebody very sincerely. And they pulled that and put that in the documentary. So then we, then Bob gets worse, sicker and sicker and sicker with his addiction. And, and I told everyone we have to keep away from this guy because we don't want to be, first of all, he's dying. He, we're watching him die and I can't stand it. We're participating in it. Uh, we have to grieve the loss of Bob Forrest and just get on with things, but he can't come around here. He's using, he has AIDS. He, I just, I said all the things he probably does. As you yeah. said, you use the fact that you look like you had AIDS as to way get of, money. <laughs> as telling people that you did have AIDS because then people would feel bad for you and you'd get money out of them. Yeah. It's hysterical. Um, <laughs> fast forward now, we lose touch with each other entirely. You go through multiple treatments. You're, you live here, you have to watch the documentary to see Bob's course. Yeah. Uh, and then fast forward to 2000, what? Three, probably. 2003. I was working at Music Cares, Matt. A music assistance is. program. Uh, it's a program that funded treatment for musicians. And Bill's Nye the Science Guy. He needed me, extras. He needed, he needed extras for... So I brought my whole group. It was like 20 of us. Yeah. And it, I was lecturing. Uh, Winnie was in that group, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. funny. I just remember. I'm, I'm picturing the group in my mind. I remember her sitting there. And... and uh, and it was a lecture I was giving about addiction. He went and he was up there with me, and we, he was going to cut the brain. Yeah, and yeah. he was going to he was going to put this into his little documentary or special. And in and I'm giving this lecture, a lecture I often give. And um, and in the front row is this guy in a hat with red hair, challenging me and asking me questions and stuff. And and I and I and they were all good and like they were like really knowledgeable questions. I go, man, this guy knows his shit. And I go, isn't it funny? He looks like Bob Forrest, but Bob Forrest is dead. There's no way that's Bob Forrest. <laughs> And so afterwards, I think you came up to me at the very end, right? Yeah, I thought you knew it was me. I had no idea. <laughs> I just thought you were a guy that looked like Bob Forrest because Bob Forrest was dead. I was totally convinced. So the and, time from when we saw each other, probably the last time was in 90 because I had that record come out in 90. So it was sa- 13, uh, 10, 14 years. 10 years, 12 years. 13, 14 90, years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, you, you look much healthier now. <laughs> I and, feel better. And we talked and you were working at, I think you were doing some work at Passing Recovery Center. 
Yeah, I was yeah. starting to do the groups out and, there. And I think we saw each I'd other. I gotten out. certified. I think I saw you up there then, right? I, yeah, I remember visiting. a short time later. Yeah, that's what we started. I, I, I don't know why I was up there. You know why? Why? Because Mike Bloom thought if he gets Bob Forrest to run groups over at POC, then all the map clients will go there. Okay, that's you know, fine. which was yeah. a smart move. Yeah, smart move. Then but, Pat Martin had the same idea at Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was Liebelum then, but Mike wasn't even making the big decisions. I right? know, but but Mike knew yeah. that I was the one. So so then, really, if you recall, I met Roland and Pat the, Martin and okay. Buddy Arnold over at Los Angeles before you had said come work here. Okay, once we talk about the CEO and the clinical outreach because in. In 2003, that same year, they were going to give us Duncan House to Which base a, map right, out Right, that's right. Okay. So there was a, a, a house outside the back of this hospital that they were going <laughs> to use gonna... as a musician assistance program, yeah. sort of sober living. Yeah. They were going to do. I remember that. And they were talking to you and Buddy Arnold, who's the head of musician assistance program, about this. And somehow, I remember up at PRC one day, I said, you know, we could really use somebody like you. Maybe I'll come down to Los Angeles and think about getting well, involved here. Well, your evening outpatient person had, I had sex with a client and had to be fired. That's what really happened. I don't think it was our evening outpatient program. It was it was our it was our lead counselor. Oh, okay, so then you bounced yeah. the evening outpatient counselor to the lead counselor role, and that opened up. Yes. And I and I said, yeah, work at Lawson. Yes, we But I was somebody. also scared. I, Something happened immediately, and it, it was boundary violations. Let's call it for for me. No, for the for somebody that worked for you. That's oh no, how the it, job opened no, up. No, job opened up because a so counselor. So only because somebody. Well, did to be fair, he didn't, he didn't. Yeah, right. Well, that's. I love shit like that. Okay, he, was he he was. Dating Dating a, a former client, really, but you right. know what I'm saying. I love happenstance yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes. That you and I were getting reacquainted, and all of a sudden this job opened up. Yes, at that's your right. rehab. That's right. And so you went to outpatient. I forgot that's how you went. Yeah, evening outpatient. And and, uh, and then we kind of moved Bob slower and slower into the inpatient side, and then made him sort of a director there. And uh, and then we had an administrator change. And she really relied on you heavily to really yeah. start running the programs. That was fun. And so Bob went from you know a counselor to a Pro, outpatient program to an inpatient program to a program director uh, at a psychiatric hospital. And that those are I, big jobs. We had big good jobs. teaching things. You and Barry taught me. Barry Plum is, taught, the, is the is, other this, physician yeah. that we worked with. Then I taught my staff. Yeah. And it was more like an education and this amiable, there was a quality there of passing information down and we're all on the same page kind of. The other thing, well, doesn't we had to, exist in rehab. I anymore. know we had to create a unity because you have to have absolute unity when you're treating people like that. And the other thing, we were evolving the field at the time. It, there wasn't we, things were evolving in real time. It mm -hmm. was still a field that was coming into focus. All right, we got to wrap this up. Uh, it's another this life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew again. Amazon banner emails. Let's just put that in a nutshell. Me, Nutcase Bob, the worst <laughs> drug addict in Hollywood, ended up the director of a, a hospital. If you That's put it, frightening. If you'd put it that way at the time, <laughs> I'm not sure he would have gotten that job. But, but, and but, I think, I think Music did, Cares did a great job. became a huge, huge... Uh, well, no, Music Cares was a separate thing that absorbed, merged, absorbed merged, musicians' yeah. assistance program. Right, and they became a huge yeah. it's a big philanthropic deal. organization it's the that's deal raised the world. a ton of money for musicians yeah. with yeah. drug problems. Yes, and uh, check out Music Cares. Uh, just Google it if you want to hear anything. I know, when the first time we ever honored anybody, I forget, because it's fundraising, right? That's yeah. what you're referring to. We The first one was... Uh, B Bonnie Raitt, because she was a big supporter and she was that. sober, right? Yep. And it was at the Hilton Hotel. There was like 300 people there, right? Yep. 
raised, I think we lost money because yeah. we didn't know what we I were doing. I think we went to that. We yeah. Like the whiskey Eric, or something. Yeah. To do that. And then. Oh, and then, these are the key club. There was one. Remember that yeah, one? That yeah, that was key club. Yeah. That, those are middle ones. Yeah. But the last one was honoring Bob Dylan. It engrossed like $10 million. Yeah, they raise amazing amounts. Yeah, we were one for Bruce Springsteen. Okay, so we need to wrap this up. We'll talk about that later. All right, so, yeah, we got lots. Call us up, email us up, wherever the hell it is. DrDrew.com. Bob and I have lots to talk about still, so we'll keep this thing going. And if you like it, uh, please tell a friend. This is a real life. This is the only one you get. This does not repeat, no.